Hello, welcome to CM Conversations. I'm today's host, Amir Khan, and my role here at CM Life Science is to specialise in recruitment for the CDMO and pharma services markets. In this episode of CM Conversations, I talk with Tim Roberts, who's Chief Commercial Officer at PCI Pharma Services. In my discussion with Tim, we talk about his experience over the last 18 months and the impact that COVID-19 has had on the clinical trial supply market. We also discuss the future of the space and how companies are becoming more customer-centric, amongst other things. Whatever your background, I think there is something valuable here for everyone to take away, so I hope you enjoy listening. Hi Tim, how are you? Hey, good morning. I am very well, thank you. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm very well, thanks. It's nice to be reconnected. Um, it's been quite a while, but um, thank you for taking the time to um, do this podcast with us. It means a lot, and uh, we we're hoping to get gain a lot of insight from you. Hey, no problem, Amir. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. Like you say, it's been uh, it's been a good couple of weeks since we we caught up. So hopefully, we can discuss some uh, great stuff and shed some insight on on our industry. Yeah, definitely, absolutely. Um, the global clinical trial supply industry has changed since the global pandemic obviously it's been a crazy 18 months um for the farmer industry for all industries really but i think the first question for me tim and i think a really important question to get this kicked off is you know what do you think were the biggest challenges for the clinical trial supply industry during covid19 i think i think there are different time periods to to answer that within. I think if you look back right to the very beginning, I remember, and I'm, I'm sure the listeners do too, those first few days leading up to the lockdown and then those first few days in lockdown. I was actually in um, Israel. Um, I, I got the last flight out of uh, Tel Aviv. Um, I managed to to just get home. Um, it, we were really scared back then as, as a species, as a race, as a global community, as to what this was going to be. We didn't know. Nobody in living memory had, had really lived through anything. It sounds cheesy, but was this going to be a zombie apocalypse or was it a bad cold? We, we really didn't know. And right at the beginning, what we found was hospitals were closing down or preparing to close down their clinical trials and the resources. The more important thing is the resources that went into them as they diverted them to the emergency rooms. So all of those doctors right in that first week, first two weeks, first three weeks, All of those doctors, all of those resources, all of the medication, the supplemental medication, the the equipment, the heart monitors, the breathing apparatus, it was all moved away, Uh, rightly so, but it was moved away to the treatment of of COVID when we we didn't have anything in in place to, to be able to help to treat it. You know, patient enrollment was put on hold for clinical trials while we understood how to get medication to try uh, to patients and that caused a a big challenge in the industry because you've got to think now globally what do we do as 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 a global community do we switch off all of the clinical trials that are running that means three four five years down the road 
will there be a six, 12, 18 month gap in medications coming through to fruition because we stopped clinical trials now. So what we did was we looked with the authorities to how do we get medications to patients? And in, in the rules, in the legislation, you're not allowed to send um, medications directly to patients' home. They have to be through a pharmacist. Um, and lots of pharma companies and suppliers such as PCI, um, we were looking at ways to be able to support this, to be um, appropriate with the regulators, but still be able to get pay, um, medication to patients' homes. Um, and through those first few weeks, we actually managed to get supplies directly to the investigators and then use direct drive couriers to get medications from um, the, the investigators, from the pharmacists themselves to the uh, patients. It was almost like kind of like an Uber service that, that those high-end specialty couriers were, were doing. But one of the hardest things was getting materials into diff difficult countries. The flights stopped, airline stopped. I mean, obviously we were, we were in lockdown for three months, but there was no flights. So getting material into China, Thailand, Eastern Europe, Ukraine, these kind of places, some areas in Latin America was, was really difficult. Um, and, and sort of the, the final point on that is that if you think as, 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 as the world, if you like, since the 1980s, or maybe even before, we've been pushing to make our supply chains and stock availability as lean as possible. We've been trying to make everything just in time so that we don't have inventory on hand and it doesn't add cost, which uh, I guess is a great thing to do. It tries to lower cost, but then when something like this happens, we do not have the stock available or on hand. And I think that was seen not just through the, the pharmaceutical supply chain, but uh, I mean, it sounds crazy, but you know, when, when toilet paper, pasta and chicken um, weren't, weren't available in those, those first, first few weeks, I understand there was some panic buying. That's, that's not the point I'm making, but just in general, we didn't have so much stock. So, so there was a big thing, my friend, there was, there was a lot of challenges that we saw right in those, those first, two, three months. Interesting. Very good. And, and, and a bit of a side question. In general, was there um, a plan in place for if something like this happened? Or did you have to move quick, you know, over like, you know, over days to kind of put in a contingency plan for the new direction that you had to go in? Because from what I remember, there was, you know, obviously we went, most of the world went into lockdown from March onwards. But it was like a two-week period in the middle of March where it went from, okay, it's spreading in Europe and the US to all of a sudden, actually, this is really serious. And it happened really quickly. As a company or as an industry, was it a case of having to absolutely, you know, you know, change the plans from scratch in a short amount of time? Or um, how did that look? In a short amount of time, one of the, the, the things that I, I really remember in, in my mind, just kind of as an anecdote, um, is getting off a flight from London to Philadelphia. An investor, a board member of 
a California biotech calling me, asking for a meeting with me and our CEO because there were sick children in, I think it was Belgium or certainly somewhere through Europe um, that needed specific medication um, to, to keep them alive as a, as a standard. And we worked with courier partners. We worked with different people. We brought in direct flight helicopters um, from place to place. Um, and it, it just went to show, I mean, that was, that was a single example. I'm not saying everything was, was like that, but we had to move very quick and we had to utilize everything that was available to us. Um, if I think back, one of the most important things to PCI, and I, I think to every company, to be honest, was the safety of our own staff. And in those first few days, we provide medication to the world, whether it be clinical trial medication or commercialized approved medication from, from our business. Um, we couldn't just stop. You know, we, we provide oncology med medicines, we provide pulmonary cardiology medicines that we, we package and supply. So we couldn't just close our facilities. Um, you know, our, our primary care was then to our employees. And I, I give our operations team a massive amount of credit. They really treated employees and the safety of them. The only way I can describe it is like water on a submarine. Everybody was segregated from each other. Teams that worked together on a specific line or in a specific room or on a specific product, they were kept together. They entered the building together. They went for break together. They left together so that there was no cross-contamination. We split the shifts, the working shifts, by 30 minutes each side of the hour so that we could come in, do a full clean down um, of, of our facilities. Um, it, it was just so new. There was so much happening at that time. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, new ways of working, new ways for employees. We had medical teams on site to test people for COVID, all, all of those kind of things, test everybody as they entered and, and left the facility for work, um, really trying to, trying to keep those, those people as safe as possible. Sounds like it was obviously a really interesting time, but it sounds like the company moved very quick. Um, and that obviously um, mm -hmm. it worked out in the end well, you know, it, from what I know of the industry, um, a lot of the companies reacted and, and did very well. How much do you think the clinical trial supply space has changed during this time? Obviously it's been 18 months. Over the last few months, you know, the world's kind of got a, a lot more back to normal. But over an 18-month period, how much do you think the space has changed? Do you think it's kind of all gone back to normal and the way things were? Or do you think there's been a big way, uh, you know, a big change in the industry in general? I think that there's been a big push for technology and electronic solutions, digital solutions. Um, where we're meeting today right now over, over Zoom um, as, as a platform, we use Teams. You know, it, even if we just look at that, for example, that's become really prevalent that, that we have our cameras switched on, that we're, we're working from home. Um, I think that the 
availability of certain commodities, plastics, glass, things like that, paper, um, that's played a part in, in those, those supply chains. Um, but I also think uh, if, you, if you look at it from a much more macro point of view, um, the investment community, the financial community would like somewhere to continue to invest their, their money. A great place to do that is in research and development. Right at the moment, uh, you know, just the world has shown over the past 18, 24 months, the world needs uh, new medications now more than ever. That means that there's more pharmaceutical companies popping up, more, more biopharmaceutical companies from the greater investment that's available. So what we've seen is there's, there's a greater investment and increase in biologics um, coming through. Um, we've had to invest ourselves in more cold chain storage, um, we've looked, uh, recently announced that we're acquiring uh, an organization called LSNE, Lyophilization Services of New England. And we've, we've, we're looking to put those in place ourselves. There is um, a definite missing component in the marketplace today to be able to fill a small scale large molecules, parentals, liquids into, into vials and syringes. If, if you think about it, the, the governments of the world have, have rightly so mandated that the large scale fill finishes, the, the, the teams that, or the, the businesses that, that fill vials and, and syringes, that they work almost exclusively on, on uh, COVID vaccines doesn't leave any space for these new emerging pharma companies that I mentioned that are you know in an exciting space maybe they're in a, a different space altogether from um, from from COVID but it doesn't leave any space in the industry for them to be able to manufacture their products to fill their products so um, we're investing heavily in in that place um, to make sure that the the full supply chain, is, is utilized and that we can provide um, expertise right the way throughout, I guess. But that's, there's certainly some, definitely some big changes there in, in digital and in that kind of physical world. Interesting. And, and one thing I wanted to touch on there, in terms of technology um, and the, the implementation of technology to improve supply chain, you know, what examples have you got of new technology um, that are used in clinical trial supply or cold chain logistics or anything in these areas that are used to kind of make the whole process more efficient for pharma customers, basically? What, what we found is, and I, I think this is, this is kind of human nature, is people want access to their data so that they can make choices and that they can make decisions. And they want to be able to make them quickly. In this industry, I've worked in this industry for about 20 years, what I've typically found is that even, even at, at most companies, people turn up every week to, to a project management meeting or twice a week, get the information that they need, bring it back, take it back to the team in-house, make some critical decisions, 
and then come back and say, this is what we would like to do. And that kind of happens week in, week out. What, where PCI are at the moment is we've put forward um, a, a new platform called Bridge. Um, what Bridge enables our customers to do right the way through our supply chain from clinical through to our commercial technologies is to be able to access that data real time um, and use enhanced algorithms and predictability to tell them what will be happening in the future. So to be able to have all of their componentry on hand to see numbers of cartons, numbers of films, numbers of foils, number of bottles, number of vials, number of tablets and, and medication that, that's available. Really, in a, in a supply chain setting, that's exactly what you want to be able to have. And you want to be able to make that those decisions quickly and efficiently. If you think about your supply chain, the minute you put a language on something, a written language, it's committed to that country. There's no there's no going back unless you remanufacture or which which is obviously very wasteful both for the the environment. I know that's something you care passionately about. I, I see those posts on on LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> whether whether you you completely waste all of that material or you know you 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 do something. So you know, long story short, what we're trying to do is to be able to provide as much data to to our clients upfront as possible. Um, one of the most interesting things, you know, we're kind of talking about COVID, we're talking about biologics, we're talking about vaccines, is materials in transit. Sometimes some of the shipments that we make, whether they be bulk shipments to other facilities or whether they be single shipments to, to single patients, the payload, the material that's in that shipment Biologics are so much more expensive than um, small molecule. And so people continue to look for assurance that their medication will receive where it's supposed to without temperature excursions. It's, it's now becoming available to be able to have real-time GPS tracking, real-time, uh, apart from while fully airborne, but uh, real-time um, GPS temperature tracking, humidity. There's there's some pretty powerful loggers out there that, that are available now to, to make sure again. And it, it ultimately just boils back down to decisions. Is my supply okay and intact with full integrity? Or if I see, hey, at Heathrow, this has already hit zero, maybe I'm you know I'm making a making a, a scenario up. Let's enact another shipment now so that we don't need to wait for that material to get to site. So there are definitely some exciting times coming through with that technology. And we, we really want to uh, enhance that through, through our bridge system. Brilliant. Um, no, it sounds very exciting. I think I touched on that on my last, um, on my last piece of content um, in terms of being able to track um, your products and track the supply chain through all different stages. Um, so I think that's really interesting. Um, didn't know that PCI were utilizing it that much. I knew um, that a lot of cold chain packaging companies are implementing that, um, which I've discussed with quite a few um, people recently. But yeah, that, that is really interesting. Um, obviously, this kind of technology is used to kind of 
ensure to pharmaceutical customers uh, and customers in general that, you know, we're going to make as much, as little loss as possible. Um, on a grander stage or in a, on, a, on, a, on a broader, in a broader sense, how would you say the expectations of um, customers has changed over the last 18 months or has it changed um, at all? Yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, customers expect a much more personalized experience now. Um, supply chains are changing very quickly. The availability to get material from one place to another is still globally not where it is. I, you know, where where two kind of lads that come from from the UK. I'm I'm in the US. The flights only just opened up from a tourism point of view from from the UK to the US last week, last Monday. And that affects all of the supply chains that we have. Um, so, you know, just, just a case of point there, it's more difficult to ship material around the world. People expect a much more uh, kind of switched on, tuned in service. Um, people want to see higher levels of, of transparency and, and efficiency that, that's happening in their, their supply chain. Um, and, and just bringing in that, that technology, I, I think, is, is much more important. We, we haven't seen each other face-to-face -face for, for two years. Even though you have a, a, a client and provider relationship, these relationships are still very strong. Lots of people like myself, on, it doesn't matter who holds your paycheck. We've, we've been in this industry for, for 20 years or more. People build really strong relationships. They, they deal with each other every day, whether, whether it's in you know, service provider or, or, or client scenarios. So we have to dig into a more digital world using cameras and Teams and, and Zoom um, to be able to keep those relationships alive. I, I think that's been... Um, along with actual supply chain issues that's that's been one of the the toughest things for for a lot of people is is keeping those those personal relationships um alive keeping those personal relationships going um we do have we do have teams we do have digital but there's there's nothing like the the interaction of, of person to person people people want that people desire that so i I think keeping that up to date is, uh, is, is definitely part of it as well. And, you know, the, the final thing is uh, our, our clients want to know that they're secure, that we have relationships, top-to-top -to -top relationships with other vendors, maybe other vendors that we use, maybe transport vendors or paper parts or cartons or printers or plastic manufacturers for, for bottles. Um, they want to know that we have the ability to, to have those top-to-top -to -top relationships so that we can assure our supply of those all important components coming in. So it is it is a, a very a very different world as as you say. Interesting. Has there been a shift in expectation in terms of speed? You know, speed of um, of working, you know, obviously we, we know um, that the COVID vaccine came to the market very quickly. Um, does that now change the mindset of pharmaceutical customers? Are they now thinking, well, 
in general, we can move quicker now? And has the process changed? Yeah, I think I think there's a couple of answers to that. So firstly, just to make a disclaimer, I am I am not a scientist at all. Um, so my opinion, <laughs> my next opinion, I, I kind of give it as a, as a layman a little bit. But the the vaccine technology, to my understanding, every year we have a different flu vaccine. It's not the same as it was last year. It's based on an mRNA technology. And we change some of those things. If I go to buy a Ford car or a Peugeot or a Chevy, I still understand that it's based on the premise that it has an engine and it has four wheels. There's just a different technology or a different variation of it that's that's been used it. And my understanding is that mRNA is is very similar to that. It's it's not so much that um, we engineered something that was brand new. Is my understanding again? I don't want to speak on behalf of pharma companies, but is that we enhanced and tweaked something that was already there and actually already in that process of evolving every year for different flu vaccines and and different different strains. Um, so. I think that part of it is true. I think that we can move faster. I think that can also be attributed to our our available time. Nobody's traveling. I often think back and I, I think, wow, how did I how did I do that? A, a day's travel, even going to Chicago was kind of six or seven hours out of the office where where I'd be traveling all the time. So I think people are a lot more productive, which allows us to move faster um, as um, as, a, as an industry. Um, there are more technologies coming through which allow for that speed. But I think safety is still a paramount. And, and I kind of end this question where I begin. If something is brand new, brand, brand new, and isn't an adaptation of technology which already existed the primary concern is is for human life is for human safety and although there is a push to make it faster more efficient to to bring medications to life safety is always that paramount thing and there are very few things that can give you the comfort of safety than time um, and so while we do continue to look to improve speed, we do continue to try to, to link our businesses to seamlessly integrate them. Um, I've seen some push to that, but again, I, I think it's just really erring on the, the side of safety, moving as nimble, as quick as possible, access to the information, like I mentioned before, to enable decision making. That is so powerful but with, with safety as being paramount. Yeah, I, I think I agree with, with that point that you just made then, that obviously we do want to work more efficiently and it would be nice to work quicker, but at the end of the day, if working faster comes at the cost of making mistakes, then I, I don't think that's... Um, I don't think that should be a priority then. I think the main thing is we get all the information, we make the right decisions, we have all the information in front of us and we do things properly. Uh, and I think sometimes in the world of business, um, it's always about doing things faster. But I think in the healthcare world, 
um, there's obviously a, a responsibility to do things 100% right or as close to that as possible. Um, so, yeah, I think that's really important. Um, and Tim, like my, my next question, which is going to kind of bring this to a close, and it's a very vague question, um, and I'm going to let you take this in any direction that you want to. Um, what do you think the future of global clinical tri trial supply uh, looks like? And do you think the impact of COVID-19 has had an everlasting effect? Yeah, this is possibly my my favourite question, I think. I, I think that we saw um we saw this a little bit before covid but after after covid if i go back to what i was saying earlier that there's more investment more financial investment in r d i i personally believe we are seeing more investment into biologics the r d rate of biologics large molecules parentals is increasing accelerating by around about eight percent compound a year that is huge as we start to go into more rare diseases novel therapies we're going to see much more availability i think for for approved medications and therapies in 10 years time due to what has happened here and now that that money that cash that's being pumped in will will come to fruition in in 10 years time i think global supply chains will be much more customer centric they're going to be flexible and going to be able to adapt much quicker to to customer needs i think more organizations are becoming kind of cdmos and offering end-to-end um, -end solutions and, and trying to act as that kind of one-stop shop for, for customers. It really does, it creates much more efficiency for those clients to be able to keep their molecules within a certain place. And, and again, I, I draw back on, on what I said a minute ago, with that investment coming through, these are smaller, medium-sized pharmaceutical companies. They don't have or desire the infrastructure to do these things themselves they're going to need to outsource them um i think that there'll be an increase in the use of innovative technologies in a supply chain especially clinical trials i think you know decentralized clinical trials will continue i think that we will strive to look for ways to get um medicines to patients houses to reach more diverse um, patient populations than we do today to make sure that access is available for all, um, all, all populations um, that, that that has. Um, I, I think I think technology is is going to play a, a massive part in this. My my favorite kind of subject at the moment is um, the metaverse. Not not necessarily because Facebook renamed their company, but I genuinely believe, again, I, I kind of said it probably 10, 15 minutes ago, that once you put a language on any package, whether it be bread, whether it be beer, whether it be pharmaceutical uh, products, it is committed to a supply chain. Now, Bose, the, the, the sound company, they provide sunglasses with built-in uh, speakers, they're, they're really cool. The, the technology is amazing. Ray-Ban have launched sunglasses with 
built-in cameras in them. I see, I see Mark Zuckerberg with them all the time on, on Facebook when I check my feed. It is only going to be a matter of time before Apple um, or Amazon or whoever put an appropriate display into glasses, into spectacles that people are wearing. When that happens, there will be no more need for, for printed components and labels on, on things. But you'll be able to see anything. I'll be able to give um, maybe a colleague who's, who's Hispanic, maybe I'll be able to give, give them the same bottle that I'm reading in English and, and their glasses will provide a, a Spanish text or, or just whatever that may be, or a, a you know, a, a US colleague, um, you know, it's quite funny being a British guy in the US, different spellings, uh, you know, just simple things like that. But um, I think that that in five to 10 years time will be a massive change for any supply chain. And I think that that metaverse will will really start to, to shape up and the technology is, is um, almost there and then and then finally that that decentralized clinical trials i think as we start to be able to access more patients homes as we be able to spread out further at the moment if god forbid if if you have a, a, a rare cancer or something which is horrible to talk about you really need to be around one of those leading centers of excellence in the world, New England or California or London, um, Christie's, wherever that may be. Um, we really wanna be able to give access to patients and the opportunity to participate from the, uh, the comfort of, of their own homes. Um, so I'm really hoping that we'll, we'll start to see that. And that, um, that will increase the speed of trials, more patients dosed safely, quicker, access to more patients, increased safety, that leads to a speed up in clinical trial results. You're not searching to find a patient. So I do believe it has changed forever. I think COVID-19 has undoubtedly changed the world in, in lots of ways from investment to the availability of flights to the increase in biologics. The, the need for digitization and decentralization. I think they are all topics that we'll have, we'll live with for the next 10, 20 years. Our, our kids will feel, feel the effects. Tim, amazing. Thank you so much. This has really given us a good insight into your world. And uh, I think you've answered the questions really well. And obviously, um, you know, a lot of the points that you mentioned about technology, um, about customer expectations and things like that. I had an idea about, but I think me and a lot of listeners probably didn't understand it to the to the depth that you've mentioned. So that's really, really good. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for your time today, Tim. I really appreciate it. I know you're a busy guy now. You know, hopefully I look forward to speaking to you again very soon. Have you got any final words or thoughts you'd like to say before we, we end the podcast? No, only that I really appreciate the opportunity, Amir. It's always great speaking to yourself. I look forward to the next opportunity. Absolutely no problem at all. Thank you so much, Tim. Have a great day. Thanks, Amir. discussion with Tim Roberts, who's Chief Commercial Officer at PCI Pharma Services. I was fascinated by what Tim had to say 
and would like to thank him again for his time and the insight he provided. If you'd like to discuss anything from today's podcast or are interested in being a future guest, please don't hesitate to get in touch. My contact details are in the description of the podcast. And for more content like this about the market CM Life Science Serve, please go to researchinglifescience.com.